Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Reinventing Life and Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. You'll hear from innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform their businesses, stay relevant, meet the needs of their customers, and do the impossible every day. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Yes, indeed. Bonnie's in the house. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, I'm telling you, you're in the right place because it's true. This is where the best run. Let me give you a little quote here I found in an article on Forbes written by a gentleman named Daniel Newman. This will set us up for our topic and then in a moment I'll tell you a little bit more and then I'll tell you who my very special guests are today. So, Welcome to the experience economy where, as the Harvard Business Review so eloquently put it, quote, a company intentionally uses services as the stage and goods as props to engage individual customers in a way that creates a memorable event. Just let that sink in for a moment. So many good keywords in there. So let's look at reality check here. The experience economy, it's here. Get used to it. It's live. It's 24-7. It's global. It's emotional. It's powerful. And it's influencing everything about the way we live, the way we work, and the way you, our global listeners who are in business, are doing your business. So How can your business manage all of this and still stay relevant? It's a lot to grasp. It's a lot of challenges you have to deal with. Well, we'd like to tell you that you can collect two kinds of data that will help you get there. We have X data. X stands for experience, and you want to collect that from your users and your prospects at every meaningful touch point, and my guest will explain that. And you want to to combine them with O data. That's operational data. Then you take all that, you put it into a maybe a jumble in the beginning, and then You look at it, you analyze it, you look for the experience gaps, and you figure what can we do to create products and services that will really approach our listeners, our audience, our viewers, our consumers, our buyers, whoever you're trying to reach with the way they really feel, what's relevant to them, what will give them that experience. Experience economy, it's all about the experience. So welcome, welcome, welcome again. I am Bonnie D. Graham. I plan to be for the next hour And I have two very interesting guests to speak with today, and I'm going to have them introduce themselves in a moment, but let me just tell you who they are. First up, we'll be hearing from a newcomer to Game Changers Radio. He's Bruce Temkin, T-E-M-K-I-N. He leads the Qualtrics XM Institute, and if you put a hashtag in front of XM, you get experience management in the Twitter world. And joining us is somebody who hasn't been on Game Changers in so long, I missed him. It's Timo Elliott, Global Innovation Evangelist at SAP. So, Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Bruce Temkin, you're up first. Why don't you tell us who you are, what the Qualtrics XM Institute is, and what this topic means to you. Go ahead, Bruce. Sure. Um, hi, everyone, and, and Bonnie and Timo. It's great to be on with you today. The XM Institute, we're focused on thought leadership, training, and enablement. We want to help professionals around the world understand experience management and to be supplied with the best practices and insights so they can create value with it throughout their organization. A little bit about me. Um, Mm -hmm. I've been involved in creating the customer experience movement uh, and joined Qualtrics about, uh, I guess now it's about nine months ago, and am really enjoying sort of helping professionals understand how to take advantage of this very important emerging topic. 
Thank you very much. And I have a note here in your bio, Bruce, that says you're referred to as, I think we need music for this, the godfather of customer experience. Is that true? Do you have a crown for um, that or do you have a scepter? Um, I, 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 have, um, I, I don't have one of those yet. I think I need to get more. But um, <laughs> it's interesting. A lot of people have credited me with the creation of the CX movement. Um, I've done a lot of things, I think, to, to make that movement powerful and make it thrive. I co-founded the Customer Experience Professional Association, the global association in that community, and was the initial chair for five years. So um, pretty much in the CX field and the customer experience field, which I would say is one of the elements in the broader experience management field, if there are professionals who are working in that field, generally they know who I am. Okay, well, we know who you are now, and the secret is out. So I'm very honored to have you on the show, Bruce. Thank you very, very much. And let's go around the table. One stop to our other guest today, Timo Elliott. How have you been, Timo? And bring us up to date. What's new with you? I'm doing great, Bonnie. Thank you again for uh, inviting me to your show. Uh, Things are going great with me. My uh, job is, as ever, helping organizations understand the latest trends and technologies and how it impacts their business. And we're now on the next step in digital transformation, experience management, helping organizations integrate the human sentiment into every business process that matters. And uh, it's an exciting time. It's a very exciting time. Do you think businesses grasp this, Timo, just to get a little more of insight of, of what this means to you? Do you think businesses understand that whether they're in B2B, where it's B2B, B2C is more obvious that people have feelings and thoughts and how are you treating me? In B2C, do you think it's more, uh, B2B rather, do you think it's more a distant feeling like, oh, we're selling them a software product or we're selling them machinery and who cares how they feel? Do you think there's a disconnect there on that side on B2B? It's definitely being led by the B2C, but I think B2B is absolutely getting it. Uh, For example, Everybody realizes that people's web experience, if you go to a consumer site, you have a certain experience that we all expect now. It's pretty much standard across the industry. Well, guess what? People are demanding exactly the same thing in a B2B environment, be able to order their products with a few clicks and take advantage of all of their special pricing and special contracts and so on. So from the B2C world, um, this notion of experience, the standard has gone up and people are naturally applying it to everything in their business world. So I don't think that businesses necessarily think of it as a separate thing right now. They're just feeling the effects. Thank you very much. Let me go back to Bruce. Bruce, do you have the same sense of of what does this experience mean in the B2B world versus B2C where, okay, we want to sense what they're feeling and what they're thinking and how they react and all that. Do you think it's as important to B2B and is is it getting there? Uh, no question it's as important in B2B. We, uh, it's interesting. So uh, I've been publishing research in the space for like 20 years. And I'd say if you look at the, the most of the research out there, even ours, a lot of emphasis is on consumer. We publish a lot of data on consumers and all that. But in the work we do directly with clients, we've done mostly B2B work. So I think that there are lots of B2B companies who are focusing on customer experience, who understand it. They just don't make the general publications because, you know, B2B stuff isn't as sexy and most of the people in the world don't think B2B. But 
B2B experience management is critical to B2B, and most of the leading B2B organizations are at least starting to understand that they need to apply these principles. Thank you very much. Thank you both. Let's look at the opening quotes I've asked my guests to send me. I said, send me a quote from a book, from a movie, from a song, not exactly about our topic, not literally, and then tell me how you can connect the dots. So Bruce has sent us a quote from Captain Jack Sparrow. I wish I had the bandana on and I wish I had his accent, of course, played by the miraculous Johnny Depp in the film Pirates of the Caribbean. I couldn't find exactly which one of the five Pirates of the Caribbean this was said, but I watched some videos, Bruce, I want you to know I try to validate and come up with what these quotes really mean, and here is the quote you sent, and you can tell us where you found this. Here we go, everyone. No accent, I promise. The problem is not the problem. The problem is your attitude about the problem. Did I put enough oomph into that, Bruce? What do you think? Uh, Oh, you were fantastic. I think Captain Jack (laughs) is listening going, I wish I had presented it that way. I, I think, I, I, I think Bonnie, you are the Johnny Depp of radio. I think that's what Can I be the Joni Depp of radio, please? <laughs> <laughs> um, sure. Uh, Thank you. So I, I, I picked that quote for three reasons. First of all, I'm actually calling in from Disney. Um, I'm speaking at a a Disney customer experience event, so it felt appropriate to pick a Disney quote. Um, The second reason is I think Captain Jack is actually a really underappreciated philosopher, right? If you you go back and watch those movies, I know that um, if you haven't seen them, then Captain Jack Sparrow acts like a half-drunk pirate throughout all of the movies but periodically says things that are amazingly insightful. Um, and you have to sort of listen through all of his chaos to figure it out. This is one of them. Um, so that's the second reason. The third reason I picked this is I'm a, I'm a student of human behavior. You look at my, my biography, right? I, um, everything I do focuses on how do we understand how human beings behave and interact with the world around them, and then how do we put that into context in terms of organizational design and experience design and all that. And one of the areas of human dynamics that I really care about and really study is the notion of positive psychology, right? Because at the end of the day, we want to help human beings have better lives and have them appreciate more of what's going on around them. And I think this quote does a really good job of breaking apart sort of the things that we are a part of in our lives, whether they're good or bad, and the decisions we make either consciously or or subconsciously on how to react to them. So you can see people, for instance, in, in, in the world have really good events happen to them, and they can be really unhappy about them. On the flip side, you can see people who have events that you would think are really negative, but have a really positive attitude about it. So that's what I, I use this quote, mostly for that last reason. I want people to understand that um, we have choices that we can make as individuals about how we experience the world and can make our lives better. Thank you very much. I never expected it to be called 
the Johnny Depp of radio or the Joni Depp, <laughs> and I never expected that kind of an explanation. Thank you, Bruce. <laughs> you you sound like somebody in the movies. I'm not going to say who, but you ha- you have a, a intonation. You have a uh, the way you phrase your words. I'll tell you off air who I think you sound like. We'll leave that one alone. Timo Elliott has sent us a very very provocative quote from of all places Don Tapscott, who is still with us very much. I call him a young man, Timo, because he was born in 1947. He is older than I am, but he's still a young man. He's a Canadian business executive, author, consultant, consultant speaker, specializes in business strategy, organizational transformation, and the role of technology in business and society. He's the CEO of the Tapscott Group and co-founder and executive chair of the Blockchain Research Institute. He's a busy guy. And this is a quote from Don Tapscott's book, The Naked Corporation, How the Age of Transparency will revolutionize business. And the book was first published back in 2003. Do the math. That's almost 17 years ago, and it's still valid. Here's the quote. Everybody listen up. This is going to surprise you, coming from Don Tapscott via Timo Elliott. Here we go. If you have to be naked, you'd better be buff. Timo, help me out with this one. What are we talking about here? So first, let me say I'm a big Don Tapscott fan. He's he's consistently been way beyond the forefront of the big trends. Like every book that he's come out with, 20 years later, everybody else has woken up to the same themes. And this is a good example. He was talking about in his book almost 20 years ago how we were starting to become um, an era of social transparency. I'm actually calling you from uh, Spain, the beautiful Mm. island of Ibiza in the Mediterranean. I'm on vacation just dialing in for the show, and um, there's a lot of people here on the beaches, and you know what it's like? People, they go on diets, and they start working out before going onto the beach. Why? Because you get to see a lot of more of their bodies. We're starting to see the same thing with organizations. Because there's this transparency, because people can uh, see what's going on in organizations thanks to social media, then organizations have to work out. Um, We can tell if a companies, products, or services are any good, not by looking at that company's marketing, but by hearing directly from their customers with just a few clicks. So everybody is forced to move from spending a lot of marketing telling people how great they are and instead using that money to actually provide a great service tailored to the individual. Very interesting. Thank you very much. Uh, were you surprised at these words from Don Tapscott? It's uh, certainly a little bit what I wouldn't expect in a business book. It would make me want to read the rest of the book. What do you think, Timo? Good to be provocative, right? Absolutely. So, I mean, I think it's a very real, it, it's tapping into a fear. You know, we've heard from Bruce how there's a very positive aspect to tracking experiences, how we can make everybody's lives better. But from a business point of view, let's face it, sometimes it takes a little bit of fear to people realize how their business model is changing. And I think this quote gets to that. <laughs> Imagine your company naked. Imagine people know the worst about what you do behind the scenes. That's kind of what they have access to now. Thank you very much. Now, we've already learned a lot about my guests, but I love to learn a little bit more. So this is the part of the show called Up Close and Personal. And Bruce, don't get scared. Timo's been through this many times with me before. We want to know where you're calling from. We already we can imagine Timo on the beach in Spain, and that's all we're going to imagine. Bruce, where are you calling from? And we don't need an address. We need a continent or a hemisphere or a country. It can be that vague if you want to go global with us. Otherwise, we love 
love to know the city or town. And number two, we want to know what's your favorite drink. And the the drink, what's your favorite drink, takes on new meaning with Bruce, with you, and with Timo because you two are so energetic. I have lawnmowers outside my office here. I apologize for the noise. You two are so energetic and so committed and, and such visionaries. Timo has evangelists in his title. And Bruce, you're, you're the godfather of customer experience. And, and I'm so appreciative and actually in awe of the two of you, of what you do and how you do it and what you've contributed to your craft, if you will, over the years. So Bruce, I'd love to know what powers you, what drink makes you want to get up and say, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to conquer this world of experience economy. And I I'm going to be a leader and a visionary, so I'm going to be quiet now. Bruce, let you talk. Where are you? And what do you love to drink? <laughs> uh, I love that setup. I wish there was a drink. I feel like there should be like a Powerade or something that gets me going in the morning. So let me address the first question. I'm actually calling you from um, the Disney property in Orlando, Florida. Um, ah. I'm participating in a I'm a keynote speaker at the Disney uh, Institute CX Summit. So I grabbed a room, so you can picture me in a little room off to the side with the hundreds of people going off in the distance somewhere um, speaking. So that's the first question, and that's sort of my life. I always go one place or another, very rarely at my home, which is in the Boston area. Okay. Uh, in terms of drinks, drinks, I, I will say I'm probably a, a coffee addict. Um, mostly because uh, caffeine works with me, but that's not the drink I was going to pick. I would pick like when you ask the question, I really thought about what's the drink that I like when I'm really chilling and rela- relaxing because yes. that's probably more important. Um, yes. And I would go with a Ciroc coconut vodka. Um, it has the perfect mix of just enough flavoring but not overpowering sweetness, and I'll take that on the rocks um, with my feet up any day. On the rocks with your feet up any day. Thank you very much. As long as your boat isn't up on the rocks and you've got your feet up, that would be a problem. And I'm thinking about Pirates of the Caribbean, of course. But then Jack Sparrow probably wouldn't have known the difference at some point in time. We'll just leave that back to the, the, the attitude. We'll leave it alone. Timo! You want to give us, did you mention exactly what part of Spain you're in? Do you want to tell us? And, and do you have a beach drink for us, Timo? Or what would you like to tell so us? You I, love well, first, drink? I am absolutely a sucker for those beach drinks. You know, anything with uh, fruit and alcohol and a little umbrella. Uh, I love those. But I'm, uh, so I'm in, I'm in Spain, as I said, the, the island of Ibiza. Ibiza. Okay. It's in the, the Balear, in the middle of the Mediterranean. And I thoroughly recommend it. It's a great place to be. And uh, but well, I'm getting ready for dinner after the uh, after the call, and I have here my uh, red wine, my Dino Tinto, ready. So we've got a nice bottle of uh, Marques de Caceres Rioja Reserva. So oh. that's going to be with some nice dinner later on. That I'm very much looking forward to. That was a beautiful interpretation there. Do, do you are you a native a speaker of that language, Timo? Uh, no, I'm actually, <laughs> one of the things I'm going to be doing here is taking some in- intensive Spanish courses to try and catch up. Really? I'm, I'm very, very impressed here. I just found and downloaded the cover of Tapscott's book to put out a tweet. I will tell the two of you that uh, tweeting is no longer as easy as it used to be. Timo knows I try to tweet anywhere between three and 25 times before, during, and after one of my live Game Changers shows. And the new mode is that you can't just text tweet. You have to have an image with it. So I've got a folder with right now about 50 pictures from Unsplash, which is a great source 
source of good, high-quality photography and various topics. And I just, when I went out now, I just found a picture of Pirates of the Caribbean for your quote, Bruce, mm-hmm. and one of the part of the cover of Tapscott's book, which didn't all fit in. So here I am. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, a Timo. I don't know if you know, I moved from Long Island, New York, uh, almost two years ago next week to Durham, North Carolina. And I'm here in, uh, it's been a hot summer. I'm not used to southern summers. I thought New York summers could be brutal. This tops it. We've been running between 90 and I'd say 101 for the past two months, conservatively. It's really hard to keep the garden looking nice, and you don't even want to go outside. Thank goodness for AC. And Timo Way, remember, and Bruce, you will not be surprised. I'm not allowed to go anywhere near caffeine on radio show days, Bruce. I've already had a show two hours before this one. This is my second one. Yesterday was a doubleheader day. So all I can drink is water on radio show days because they don't want me near anything that would rev me up. And I think you can understand why. So to our listeners, this is a very interesting series called Reinventing Life and Business with Game Changers Radio. Shout out to Michelle Hickey at SAP, who is the sponsor of this series and a shout out also to the people who helped put the show together. We have a shout out to Savannah Vol, V-O-L-L at SAP. Great job putting this together. And my two very special guests today are Bruce Temkin, T-E-M-K-I-N, just call him Godfather of XM, at Qualtrics and Timo Elliott. He spells Elliott with two L's and two T's. Not everybody does at SAP. We're talking about what in the world does the experience economy mean for you and your business. We're assuming, since you're hearing us on the business channel here at World Talk Radio, that you have some kind of a company or that you know somebody who does. So we're going to approach this looking at the business implications, but it also impacts everybody, every one of us, because we're all customers of something, whether we're buying for a business, buying for ourselves. So we'd like to know what in the world does this experience economy mean and what are businesses doing about it? I'll just say to treat us better. Ha! There we go. So we're going to take a quick break. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We have so much more to talk about with Bruce Temkin and Timo Elliott. We'll be right back. Aaron out. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. In a world of digital disruption, the volume of data is endless. It's changing the way we live and work. What do you want to do with it? Get end-to-end visibility and transparency? Predictive insights? Drive operational excellence? Increase profits? Realize the digital promise today? Let's get started. Reinventing Life and Business with Game Changers brings you insights from the forward-thinking technology leaders who are making that happen. We'll delve into what it means to digitally transform your business from the top floor to the shop floor. We'll discuss how innovation is impacting every facet of life and business. Tune in to the Business Channel to hear today's top innovation and strategy thought leaders share expert insights on how intelligent technologies are shaping the future for all of us. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN.
You're listening to Reinventing Life and Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Reinventing Life and Business with Game Changers. Exactly right. We're here today with Bruce Temkin at Qualtrics and Timo Elliott at SAP. I'm still Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to be for the next, oh, at least the next 35 minutes. We're talking about the experience economy. It's real. It's here. It's got emotions. It's got values. It's got impact. Is your company embracing it? Do you understand you're in it, whether you know it or like it or not? Well, the time has come, and our two special guests are helping you figure this out. So we're going to start the formal roundtable. Up with, let's see, we've got some notes here from Bruce Temkin. Here's a statement he told me, very provocative. Bruce will talk about it for a couple minutes, and then we'll invite Timo to chime in, and then I'll pick a statement from Timo, and we'll go back and forth around the table. So Bruce says the following. People often discuss the combination of people, process, and technology. You hear it all the time. Bruce, what's the impact of this? Finish the statement for me, please. Yeah, yeah. Um, people talk about it all the time, but organizations really focus on people. Instead, they deploy processes and technologies and treat people as cogs in those systems. I, if, if you've been in a business world for anywhere in the last 40 years, I'm sure you've run across people who are talking strategically and thinking about the business and say people, process, and technology. It's a you know, in business school, they, they hammer that home. Things are about people, process, and technology. And while I think the concept is right, the implementation of it w- is extremely lacking. Because um, sometimes I'll, I'll talk about the history of even enterprise transformation. And as I talk about the evolution over decades, right, I'll talk about periods of time where there was a focus on pure underlying technology. And then there are... Per- there are periods of time where there's a focus on process improvement, like lean movements or um, the quality movement. Um, and then the back to technology, like enterprise apps and the SaaS evolution and then the Internet, right? There's been a lot of shifts in evolution when it comes to how enterprises change their business, but they've almost all been around the combination of process and technology. It's people that are missing. That is, to me, one of the reasons I'm so excited about the experience management movement is that we've built this underlying capability around process and technology that with the Internet now connects processes that are inside of an organization with people who are outside of the organization. Think about that, right? We're connecting people into processes inside the organization. But with the experience management movement, we're finally saying, all right, Let's add to it an understanding of people. Let's recognize that people aren't just cogs that participate in this process of technology. They should be the focal point. They're actually the the people that are creating the experiences. They're the people that are actually involved in the experience, whether they're customers, employees, prospects, partners. Those are real human beings. And the ability for us to better understand those human beings and to make adjustments in what we do and the decisions we make in the experiences we create that are built around that deeper, more sort of fundamental understanding of the human beings will allow us to have a whole nother decade or two of transformation around what I think is the most important 
component of the people, process, and technology, the people. So, like, I'm excited that we're finally putting people back into the mix of people, process, and technology. Thank you very much. Timo, love to get your thoughts, agree or disagree, or anything you want to add to what Bruce just shared. So, completely agree. I, I like to think that we're moving to a new era of business. A lot of executives got to where they are today by being good at the hard numbers. Um, we think about skills, about numbers and machines and very concrete things as being super important to succeed in business. But increasingly, we realize that as computers get better and better at doing that, especially with new technologies like machine learning, the one thing that technology can't really manage is people. People are hard. It takes those soft skills. So I really do see the next generation of executives coming through concentrating on leadership skills and culture and really making sure that employees are aligned with not just the effectiveness of every business process, sorry, not the efficiency, but the effectiveness of it. Are we doing the right thing, not just doing things in the right way? So um, I think it really is important that we take this sea change on on merit and we start uh, acting in these new ways. Thank you very much. Bruce, anything you want to add? Because I have a statement here from Timo I'd like to talk about. Bruce, anything else on that? I love it. I I love that Timo um, talked about the fact that uh, leaders need to think about their people more and culture. I totally think that's a cool human thing. And I wanted to say something to Timo before he gets to his um, his comment, which I meant to say is, at some point, I think the three of us need to be, have more Dino Tinto with Timo where he is. And maybe we'll run the next show there. I would love to. I would love to pour. Just start pouring. Thank you, Timo. We have a good party here. Timo, I'm looking at your first statement you send me, and this is full of all kinds of reality checks here. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Bruce is supposed to be in the happiest place on earth, right? Isn't that the tagline? (laughs) I think we just shifted that brand over to where you are, Timo. I think you won hands down. We're going to leave it at that. Timo, you told me the following. Power to the people. You say the biggest change in business this century has been the massive shift in power from businesses to consumers. I'll just sum this up. Uh, we live in an area of social transparency. Your prospects can find out the real quality, the real quality of your products and services in a few clicks from your existing customers. Timo, what are the implications for brands? That's the rest of what you sent me, but I don't want to read the whole thing. So go ahead. Well, so I can, uh, first let me prove this to you. Um, imagine sometime where you went to book a hotel on vacation perhaps. You probably used a service something like TripAdvisor. You didn't just go to the hotel website to find the information. Why? Because you don't really trust the hotel website. You know it's okay for the facts, but when you want to find out whether it's a good hotel or not and whether it's good for you, we go to talk to other people, other reviews on TripAdvisor. And if you're anything like me, you'll go through and actually check to see if the positive or negative ratings are from people like me. You know, if it's complaining about how you can't take a pet, you know, I don't really mind. Um, but if it's something about how the internet connection is bad and I'm going there to work, then I, I really care. But that, the, to get a good rating on a TripAdvisor, there's only really one thing that hotels can do, which is be a better hotel. So 
Um, we're seeing this transparency, this transparency really affecting every kind of product and service. And another example, I um, used to rely on brands growing up to figure out whether a product was good or not because you mm-hmm. couldn't really tell before you bought the product. You right. know, Sony, I used to buy everything Sony. And why? Because it was pretty much a guarantee of a certain level of quality. But now, when I go to buy something off Amazon, I went to buy a waterproof um, uh, Walkman. There, I'm going to, calling it a Walkman. You know, an MP3 player that I could use in, in the water when you're swimming. It's great, by the way. Um, and they have a whole bunch of brands. The Sony one was there, but it was really expensive. And I just looked down, and there was these no-name Chinese brands for a lot less money, but they have five-star ratings. So... The, the brand is no longer the gauge of quality that it used to be. It has to stand for something more. If people are just looking for the right product to the right price, they can do that without uh, needing to rely on a brand. The brand has to stand for something more if it's going to be valuable, and it has to stand for a certain type of experience. And that's beyond just the, the product itself. It has to give you a certain level of emotion that goes along with it. Very well put. Thank you very much. I'm thinking, Timo, here, I'm in a community in, in the Briar Creek area of Durham, North Carolina. We have a, a bulletin board. It's a MCA, my, and the initials for the name of the community. I won't give it out. And on a daily basis, people are saying, can, they're writing, can you recommend a podiatrist? Or can you recommend, I have a suit that needs to be altered. Who's got a good tailor? Or where where's the local such and such church? I just moved here. People are looking that's our social transparency, isn't it, Timo? People are looking for somebody who knows something about, not just, hey, what's the most popular restaurant here? Where would you go if you had company coming and they wanted to go to a Spanish restaurant? Something like that. So that's, and, that's the, the proof, isn't the it, Timo? Next generation, the next generation take it even more on board. Um, the, something like 60% of uh, millennials say that they couldn't, couldn't care less if the brands that they used uh, stopped existing. I'll take it one step further. Bruce, I'm going to bring you in a second. I just did a show on my my new series, Technology Revolution, the Future of Now, and I had four femtech Exact femtech business owners. Femtech meaning technology for females, and uh, one was in the uh, waste management business. One was in the financial support for a young millennial entrepreneurs business. One was in the fempreneur in uh, fem products, and uh, I'm trying to think. Well, the other one had a marketing consulting business, and one of them said to me, "This is interesting that she will not take on a client." for her marketing business if she doesn't agree, she's a millennial, if she doesn't agree with or embrace what their impact is on culture, society, global good, whatever it is, or with their ethics and their values. So millennials, Timo, are evaluating companies. They're not taking clients if they don't agree with them. So that's another extension of experience, isn't it, is I want to have an experience that's along my cultural or my business values that you have to align with mine. Are you surprised about that, Timo? No, absolutely. It's been a big shift. Um, there's always been a, a perceived trade-off between profit and purpose. The idea was that you could either make money or you could do good. But now all of the studies show that um, people will pay more, uh, they're ready to put their wallets where their 
their um, feelings are, and they will pay more for products and services for companies that align with, um, with our helping society in some way. And the same with employees. Uh, a lot more employee engagement with companies with purpose. So thankfully, we're seeing much better alignment where there's no longer that trade-off that we can have these really win-win-win situations where companies can introduce products and services that are great for customers, that are profitable, and can help make the world be a better place. Thank you very much. Bruce, comments? Oh, I have so much I could say. I, uh, parts of this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit on that last part, though. Yeah. The idea of purpose, because I just actually wrote a blog post today um, highlighting some announcement by um, a group led by Jamie Dimon, the, the chairman mm-hmm. and CEO of uh, J.P. Morgan, the CEO of J.P. Morgan, where they introduced a new definition of for the purpose of an organization, so I'm going to ask that purpose. Um, and, and really, when we think about the purpose of an organization, traditionally it's been about how do you create profits for um, stockholders, which is a very numbers-oriented, you know, I think describes what Timo was, was talking about where we came from. Uh, and the new world, which actually aligns with what, what I've been writing about for over a decade, um, is the notion that we need to actually address creating value for all of the stakeholders, and the stakeholders include employees, they include the communities we live in, they include the, um, the suppliers we work with, all of those, all of those stakeholders beyond the, the, um, the shareholders actually are dedicating a part of their capacity to an entity. And for that entity to be successful, it's no longer about creating profits which are one deliverable to one of those audiences. It's how do we actually create value and and improve the lives of all of those different stakeholders. So I think I'm really excited about the notion of leaders taking a broader understanding of the purpose of the corporation. And back to the original thing about sort of social transparency, I think in order to do that, we are going to have to understand what the needs and desires are of all of those people and respond to it because it's out there. And so I think all of these shifts are heading organizations in a direction that I think is much more humane and mm-hmm. adds a lot more value to society than just trying to sort of optimize around profits. Thank you very much. Very interesting. And that's a good lead into the next topic I've picked from your very interesting list here, Bruce. Uh, you told me the following. This is, I think this is where we're going to go next. You say, it's great to see more companies using experience design but they tend to use it for larger, discrete products and projects. You say there are a myriad of customer, employee, brand, and product experience that can be significantly improved with a small injection of good design, and you call it the design of little things. I think we need to create a hashtag, Bruce, design of little things. Seriously do. So, Bruce, what does this mean? Where where do you want them to use experience design? What is experience design? How can it be used for these focuses on experiences at all levels. Great topic, by the way. Go ahead. Super, thanks. So, I mean, we, we, we try to help organizations think about how do you inject experience design in, in everything you do. Um, but experience design is a relatively new concept. Some organizations are adopting, like, the notion of design thinking that comes out of the Stanford Design School, D-School. 
Um, all of that is like wonderful, but people tend to say, all right, we're going to do a big project. So we're going to design, we're going to have a design thing group and work on the big things. And, and, and what I always find is while that's great, there are so many little things that need better design that can make us an improved life. And the, the example I love to use is if you've ever been in New York and gone to the uh, Marriott Marquis Hotel, then you'll know that they have mm-hmm. a bank of elevators right in the middle of the lobby. Now, yes. You go back 10, you go back 10 years and there was always an enormous waiting area for those um, um, for those elevators. As a matter of fact, the, I was with Forrester Research, and we had lots of events there, and it was problematic, so so much so that you have to think about maybe we don't do an event there because of the backup at the elevators. Mm-hmm. So they spent, I think, like $12 million. We did all the elevators, um, but they were limited in terms of the space they could do it, so they they came up with a new approach, which you're seeing in more and more buildings, which is you hit a selection button, you say what floor you want, and it tells you which elevator to go to, and then you go in the elevator, you don't push any buttons, it automatically knows that you wanted to go to floor 34, and it goes there. Um, And what that algorithm does is it much more effectively uses the capacity of the elevators to meet the needs, so that it's a much better sort of routing engine for the selection and use of those elevators. Now, having said that, $12 million, big, big investment, great idea. But anytime you go to the Marriott Marquis, you will find people mulling around, not knowing what to do, because the, first of all, they don't know what elevator to go to. There aren't any budget buttons to push near the elevators. And you will find a constant flow of people who go into the elevators expecting to push a button. The door closes. There are no buttons to push, and they are lost and surprised and scared. And what's missing is the piece, I would say, is a little design of little things. All they needed was a very clear signage recognizing that people are coming in there with an expectation. They go into an elevator and push a button. That's the expectation the world has put on people who are going to elevators, right? You can't change the expectations that people come with that easily. You have to deal with them as they are. Um, a big sign that said all it had to do is say, select your floor first before going onto an elevator. And, and put that sign as a place where it catches people's idea, eyes. The only signage that they've had is at the display where you push the button, which is about my chest level, which means all you have to do is get three people in front of there and no one sees it at all. So that's where, that's one of the areas. They spent $12 million on a new design, they needed to spend another $500 on a great signage, and they would have gotten all the value they wanted. That's the design of little things in action. Isn't it amazing? I, I couldn't agree with you more. Timo, any examples you have? Is this something in your experience that it's it's the little well, things? Go ahead. Absolutely. Well, let's stick, stick with the hotel example. Uh, here in uh, Ibiza, actually, there's the headquarters of uh, a great um, boutique hotel chain called Palladium. And they actually run some of the, the coolest hotels in the world. Ibiza is known for having some of the best and biggest nightclubs in the world. If you're a, a rave music fan, uh, techno, this is the place to be. And they run one of the hotels, for example, is uh, Ushuaia. And they've gone through this big um, customer journey, customer experience project where they've really looked at the end-to-end customer journey of a guest 
and they want to turn their guests into raving fans who will enjoy the experience so much that they'll post the videos onto uh, social media and, and get more customers to come. So they looked at the entire customer journey, every step along the way, and looked at how they could use the latest technologies to optimize that touch point, everything from mobile devices for check-in or augmented reality or sensors to see how people are using the different facilities. And uh, all of the data that is collected from that goes into a system so they can track and optimize that customer journey. And that's, you know, even if you're not in the hotel business, that's pretty much what we're seeing every organization work on now, a system for really tracking the end-to-end touch points of the customer journey so you can figure out what's working and what's not. But what's really important is to make sure you're getting the people's real emotional feedback from that process. There was a lovely example of a different hotel where they saw that the profitability was going down and the hotel hadn't been uh, upgraded for a while. You know, they hadn't redone the rooms. And so they just basically said, oh, well, it must be that and started automatically going down this process of figuring out how much it would cost to, to re through the hotel, which of course would be a huge amount of money. But then they said, well, hey, maybe we should actually just check with people. So they, they did the surveys and asked people, you know, why are you not staying in the hotel anymore? And it turned out that uh, they changed some processes and it was the check-in was much longer than before and their primary customers were busy business people and they just hated the longer check-in. So they made some changes to the check-in, the profitability went right back up, and they were able to put off the renovations for you know, another five or ten years. So saved an absolute fortune by actually checking first with people to figure out whether the reason that they weren't using the service was the real reason. People make way too many assumptions. Thank you very much. They do. And you have to wonder sometimes if the people designing these quote-unquote experiences actually try them out as a human being rather than somebody who thinks they know how to design them for other human beings. Thank you both. I want to move to, uh, I have a statement here, Timo, I'm looking at your notes here. When you say, by the way, Long Island Railroad, there's a big sign on the platform and on the trains, mind the gap, meaning don't put your foot where there is no train when you're getting on the train. Don't fall in the gap. So Timo has a statement here that says, mind the, quote, parentheses, experience gap. And you say, organizations have been working to optimize the human aspects of the end-to-end customer journey. But a study, and I've heard about this study, Bain & Co. found that 80% of company CEOs, they believe, they probably swear we are delivering a superior experience. But when they are customers, Customers were asked, only 8% agreed. That's 80% CEOs said, uh-huh, and 8% said, hmm, okay. So let's talk about the X data and the O data, Timo. I want to make sure we get this in. We have a little, a few more minutes left. So talk to me. X experience data, O operational data. How do you find that gap? So operational data is the data we're used to, everything that tracks, you know, normal business processes, how much money we're making, how many customers we have. And those are hard numbers that everybody knows how to deal with. The problem is that they're only part of the picture. The, it's a little bit like uh, theoretical physics. You know, there's all of the stuff that you can see in the sky, uh, the stars and planets and so on. But physicists know that there's a lot more matter out there, the dark matter, we know it's there because it has a 
profound effects on how the universe works, but we can't see it directly. It's hard to gather. Well, it's a little bit like what it's been like with experience data. It's been like this dark matter. We know it's there. It has profound effects. But because it's not hard numbers, it's people's opinions uh, on social media and surveys and emotion, it's been much harder for us to really track and measure. The good news is that this is where new technologies are helping, that we can now start gathering people's real opinions and emotions at scale and using it to act on um, processes. So while something is happening, we can tell if somebody is enjoying it or not, and then hopefully fix the situation if they're not. Or the bigger picture, we can get feedback from people about what they like and don't like and make it, uh, use it to change and improve our products over time. Thank you very much. Bruce, join in. What do you think? X data, O data, marriage yeah. made in heaven? Is it working? <laughs> marriage made in heaven, absolutely. It's uh, two great tastes that taste even, great together, even better together. Um, if, if you think about the world, we've, um, you know, I talked earlier about people, process, and technology, and that we've been so much focused on process and technology. And those process and technologies spit off a lot of data. Right. We have lots of data about how our, our, our processes are operating, how our HR processes, our customer processes, how our supplier processes, right? Lots of data there. And, and they provide us some level of insight. What's missing is really understanding how the human beings are viewing their participation in all of that stuff, right? Going back and talking about. So the ability now, and I, I totally agree, Timo's uh, assessment that we now, at scale, can collect experience data and understand how human beings view the experiences that they're having in across all of those areas. And so we have this world in which we're just starting to, companies are figuring out how can we take action on just X data, because X data is extremely valuable, right? Understanding how people are viewing their experience, what emotional um, responses they're having, what their preferences look like, all of that, what their attitudes are. Um, great data. Gr- amazing insights and actions you can drive from that. But then when you put that together with operational data, it's unbelievable. Like, for instance, um, let's take an airline. Um, and, you know, an airline might see that there's a spike in issues that people are having in their lost luggage experience. Now, let me go on record as saying there is no such thing as a great lost luggage experience, right? <laughs> the fact that you had a lost luggage experience is a broken experience to begin with. Um, but having said that, airlines lose luggage. Um, and so let's say we're starting to see that there's a surge in problems. People are starting to get even more angry and upset with that experience. Well, Having that, just collecting that information, understanding it means we can go back in and say maybe we need to redesign part of this experience and understand what it is and we need to fix it and all of that. And great, we can figure that out. We put X and O data in, and I have a bunch of, I've created six categories of X and O data, and this is something that we would call um, um, (laughs) XY right? Mm-hmm. X, Y category, X, and then the, the W, H, Y, Y, right? We see something in X data. But if we combine that with O data, like understanding airport operations, we might be able to see that the problem really spikes when we have two international flights that arrive within a half an hour of each other. Oh, my goodness. Now we have insights. We have experienced problems that seem to occur in a situation that we can predict and understand. 
So now we can say maybe it's as simple a solution as whenever we see in, in our operational data that we expect two international flights to arrive within a half an hour of each other, let's double up on our staff. Let's, let's prep our staff that the volume's coming. And then, my goodness, we can be very, very effective at targeting specific experiences at specific moments based on an insight of both X and Y data. Uh, X and O data. That's why it's so powerful. Thank you very much. And guess what, Bruce and Timo? You have effectively brought us right up to the crystal ball predictions round on the show. And I have just about mm, 75 seconds for each of you. We're really getting down to the wire here. So, Bruce, I know you just spoke, but I'm going to ask you to go first. Would you please look into the crystal ball? You probably created a an experience, an XM crystal ball somewhere in your office. I know it's there. Take a peek into it or put on some kind of a weird hat with all kinds of antenna on it. Look into the future. I know you're already a visionary. Look into the future of the future and tell us what will change about this topic. Will we still be calling it kind of clunky customer experience, experience economy? Will we have, other than hashtag XM, will we have a better way to represent it between now and 2025? And what will change? 75 seconds. They're all yours. Brute Tempin. Go. Okay, quick. Um, what won't change, if I'll start with, is that customers and employees are going to continue to be more demanding and our product life cycles are continuing to shrink. In that environment, it, the companies that succeed will, will create a capability to continuously learn, propagate insights, and rapidly adapt. That's the world we're going at. I think experience management is that capability. So if I look out in the future, I think we're going to have more leaders talking about experience management. And when they do that, they're going to be talking more about human beings. We're going to have way more discussions in boardrooms, way more discussions in conference rooms, and way more discussions in hallways around human beings. And I believe that that focus in organizations around human beings will also make the world better because it will make us all individually aware of the needs of the human beings around us. And I look forward to that future and hope to help organizations figure out how to get there. Thank you. Very eloquent. I appreciate that. Godfather, thank you. We've never had anybody on the show called Godfather, so thank you very much. Brando is not in the house. And now let's go to Timo Elliott. Timo, look into that future. I can give you 75 seconds. They're all yours. Go ahead. All right. So experience management, uh, to emphasize, is not just about the customer experience, about every experience that matters. This includes the employee experience. We can use these new approaches and new technologies to help make employees not only happier, but also more productive. And happier employees is highly correlated with better customer experiences and uh, overall profitability for organizations. We can also expand it to things like uh, internal processes. If you're rolling out a new IT system. Sadly, sometimes that goes wrong because of people, process, and culture. If you're really using these new techniques, you'll know that that's happening a lot earlier than uh, when the project has rolled out and already failed. So it's uh, essential for the future. Uh, let me just end with one more quote. Mm-hmm. It's a classic, but I'm using it now for experience management. At the end of the day, people won't remember what you said or did. Mm-hmm. They'll remember how you made them feel. My Angelou. My Angelou. Emotions are essential for every aspect of business. The future of business has feelings. 
I think we're back to the me me generation. It's make for me, do for me, think about me. What am I feeling? What do you want me to feel? And do we agree on that? Thank you so much, gentlemen. It has been a true pleasure. I've learned so much about the experience economy in ways I never anticipated. Thank you very much. Let me do some shout-outs here. Michelle Hickey is the sponsor of this series. Michelle, great show today. Savannah Vol, you worked hard on this. It's appreciated. Thanks for setting this up. Aaron Keller, our engineer extraordinaire at World Talk Radio, the business channel. He gets us on the air and keeps us there. And now I want to do my call to action where I will thank my panelists. So fasten your seatbelt. Are you having a good seatbelt experience? I think we need custom-designed, fancy, branded seatbelts, guys. I really think we do. Maybe there's a business Mm. we can all go into while we're lolling around on the beach in Ibiza having some Roja wine. What can I say? Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Just like Bruce the Godfather Temkin at Qualtrics, new name there, and just like Timo Elliott at SAP. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Have an absolutely fabulous day. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Reinventing Life and Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.